What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're listening to a bonus episode of Vanished in the Valley. This episode was produced by Night Dude and is here for everyone to listen because I'm just cool like that. If one person produces, supports the show for a bonus episode, I put it up for everyone to hear. So that's what we're going to do today. If you're wondering how to become a producer of Vanished in the Valley, you can go to Cash App and look for Vanished Athena and support us that way. Or you can go down to the description in the episodes and look for a little section that says support this show. And it's like a link that says support at Acast. So go there, show us some love. If you want to be a producer, do it. I'll give you some producer credits. But today... We're going to get into the various legends of the giants. And the legends kind of become conspiracy territory because there's a lot of people that think governments are trying to hide the fact or hide the idea or the conspiracy theory that giants at one point actually existed on this earth. So let's go back to early 1947. A man named Howard E. Hill of Los Angeles spoke before the city's transportation club and told a sensational story. The tale described the work of a man named Dr. F. Bruce Russell, who claimed to have discovered a series of complex deep tunnels below Death Valley back in 1931. Russell was a retired Cincinnati, Ohio physician, along with a colleague named Dr. Daniel S. Bovee who he had worked with on archaeological excavations in Mexico several years earlier. They allegedly stumbled upon these caves actually by accident. Russell, who had reportedly moved west for his health, decided to check out mining opportunities. According to the tale, while Russell was sinking a shaft for a mining claim, he fell into a cave when the soil gave way and discovered a catacomb of tunnels leading in different directions. When Russell and Bovey began to explore the caverns, they followed one tunnel where they were extremely surprised to find the mummified remains of three gigantic men who were eight to nine feet tall. And there's even a picture of this. I'll put it up on the Instagram. The giants were clothed in garments consisting of a medium length jacket and trousers extending slightly below the knees. The texture of the material was said to have resembled gray-dyed sheepskin, but they believed it to be taken from an unknown animal, probably because the animal didn't exist today. The room also held a number of artifacts that resembled Egyptian and American Indian designs. Hieroglyphics were chiseled on carefully polished granite. The explorers believed they had found a burial place of the tribe's hierarchy. Following another tunnel, they came across what they described as a ritual hall of these ancient people. Here, they once again found artifacts and markings as the well-preserved remains of animals, including dinosaurs, elephants, and tigers. Later, it was suggested that perhaps these bones belonged to ancient saber-toothed tigers and mammoths. Further, Russell had described to Hill that he and Bovey had only touched the surface of their discoverings, stating that there were at least 
32 tunnels and estimating that they've ran across 180 square miles across Death Valley and parts of Southern Nevada. Now, of course, professional archaeologists were skeptical of the story and Los Angeles County Museum scientists pointed out that dinosaurs and saber-toothed tigers appeared on Earth 10 to 13 million years apart. No one in the professional world of archaeology was interested enough in the story to even personally go check it out. How surprising. Kind of sounds like Bigfoot in Scientists Today. Despite the disinterest of scientists, Dr. Russell and a group of investors created a corporation called Amazing Explorations Incorporated to handle the release and hopefully profit from this remarkable find. But, in the constantly shifting sands of the deceiving desert, Russell was unable to find the site the next time he tried to show his friends. Afterward, Russell disappeared. <laughs> Oopsie. Months later, Russell's car was found abandoned, with a burst radiator in a remote area of Death Valley. His suitcase was still in the car. Abductor Bovie, he seemingly disappeared into the shadows, far away from this mystery. But so check this out, guys. For centuries, legends of an underground city and an ancient race in Death Valley have been told in the Paiute legends of the kingdom of the Shin Av. This place, meaning God's land or ghost land, is a sacred place to the Paiutes. The Paiutes have another legend that they told to early white settlers about their ancestors' battle with a ferocious race of white, red-haired giants. According to the Paiutes, the giants were already living in the area. The Paiutes named the giants Sitika, that literally means tool eaters. The tool is a fibrous water plant the giants wove into rafts to escape the Paiutes' continuous attacks. They used the rafts to navigate across what remained of Lake La Hontan. According to the Paiutes, the red-haired giants stood as tall as 12 feet, and were a vicious, unapproachable people that killed and ate and captured Paiutes as food. The Paiutes told early settlers that after many years of warfare, all the tribes in the area finally joined together to rid themselves of the giants. One day, as they chased down the few remaining red-haired enemy, the fleeing giants took refuge in a cave. The tribal warriors demanded their enemy come out and fight but the giants steadfastly refused to leave their sanctuary. Frustrated at not defeating their enemy with honor, the tribal chiefs had warriors fill the entrance to the cavern with brush and set it on fire in a bid to force the giants out of the cave. The few that did emerge were instantly slain with volleys of arrows. The giants that remained inside the cavern were asphyxiated. Later, an earthquake rocked the region and the cave entrance collapsed, leaving only enough room for bats to enter it and make it their home. Thousands of years later, the cave was rediscovered and found to be loaded with bat guano, almost six feet deep. Decaying bat guano becomes saltpeter, the chief ingredient of gunpowder, and was very valuable. Therefore, in 1911, a company was created specifically to mine the guano. As the mining operation progressed, skeletons and fossils were found. The guano was mined for almost 13 years before archaeologists were notified about the findings. 
Unfortunately, by then, many of the artifacts had been accidentally destroyed or simply discarded. Nevertheless, what the scientific researchers did recover was staggering. Over 10,000 artifacts were unearthed, including the mummified remains of two of the red-haired giants. One was a female that was six and a half foot tall and the other male over eight feet tall. Many of the artifacts, but not the giants, can be viewed at the small natural history museum located in Winnemucca, Nevada. As the excavation of the cave progressed, the archaeologists came to the inescapable conclusion that the Paiute's myth was no myth at all. It was true. What led them to this realization was the discovery of many broken arrows that had been shot into the cave and a dark layer of burned material under the sections of the overlaying guano. Among the thousands of artifacts recovered from this site of the unknown people is what some scientists are convinced is a calendar, a donut-shaped stone with exactly 365 notches carved along its outside rim and 52 corresponding notches along the inside. But that was not to be the final chapter of the red-haired giants in Nevada. In February and June of 1931, two very large skeletons were found in the Humboldt Dry Lake Bed near Lovelock, Nevada. One of the skeletons measured eight and a half feet tall and was later described as having been wrapped in a gum-covered fabric similar to Egyptian mummies. The other was nearly 10 feet long. The official Paiute account of the red-haired giants claim they were covered with hair all over their bodies. Many of the artifacts found in the cave are likely from people unrelated to the red-haired giants. Ray Crow makes the following statement about the skeletal finds. Near Lovelock, Nevada, guano hunters found giant bones of a race of people with red hair still attached to their skulls. Local Paiute legends tell of the warlike cannibal Thule eaters that were forced into a cave and a fire set at the mouth of the cave to exterminate them. The author once saw one of these seven-foot-four skeletons with some remaining wisp of red hair on the skull. The Mark Twain Museum in Virginia City, Nevada, had the seven-foot-tall skeleton that reportedly had been found in a cave by miners in the hills on the west side of Washoe Lake in the 1950s. It has since been repatriated by the local tribes in 1992. And that was from Ray Crow in Bigfootology. Additional evidence of the battle was discovered by M.K. Davis, who noted chemical changes in the portions of the charred limestone in the ceiling of the cave, which could only have been achieved by a temperature exceeding 1,500 degrees, which is not possible with just a campfire. The change was into a gooey tar-like substance that later hardened. He also found what he believes to be a print of a large hand. In his view, a Sasquatch touched the ceiling and got the tar-like substance created by the heat on his or her hand and then touched the rock below, transferring the handprint. Closer inspection of the handprint shows dermal ridges left in the now hardened tar-like substance. This handprint was more than double the size of a normal man's hand. So is it possible that giants and Sasquatch are one and the same in these areas? 
And where did all the skeletons go? Some of them were destroyed, but they said some fully intact skeletons were recovered. And that's where the conspiracy comes in. There are many, many newspaper accounts of giant bones, you know, either just being the bone themselves or fully intact skeletons being shipped off to the Smithsonian. Well, check this out. In the Smithsonian's 1911 annual report, it shows that in 1910, Dr. Alice Harlicka, the most important physical anthropologist at the Smithsonian Natural History Museum and villain in many giant conspiracies, undertook a massive reclassification and rearrangement of the physical anthropology collections at the museum while moving them to a new building. If any mammoth bones lingered on as human, they were almost certainly sent to the correct department by then. But Dr. Herdlicka indicated that he was personally involved in making some of the alleged giants disappear, but through science. Now, this is where some people say the conspiracy starts, that this doctor, Dr. Herdlicka, actually was instructed by nefarious powers at be to hide the origins or hide these bones. The thinking behind this conspiracy is that America was like hardcore Christian at the time. And if there were any giant bones, it would kind of contradict all of the Christian teachings that early America was not actually founded upon, but a lot of the citizens of America at that time were kind of controlled by the churches, just like they had been for a thousand years or more in Europe. So now we are going to fast forward several decades in the giant mythology. I'm going to tell you the story of an American special forces team that allegedly battled a giant in the deserts of Afghanistan. So get ready for this one. So in 2002, a U.S. patrol had gone missing in a very remote area of Afghanistan. Another patrol was dispatched on a search and rescue mission, and one soldier on that patrol described what he saw after coming around the side of a mountain. As we bent around this corner, you could see the opening of a cave, and then I see a lot of rocks, which is another oddity, and then bone matter. I'm not close enough to identify what kind of bones, but I did see what I knew to be a piece of our communications equipment. So instantly, we're thinking ambush, maybe animal, you know, it could be anything. There was enough room in front of the cave, but it was a sheer drop-off. But there was enough room that we got into a descent dispersal in the case of ambush. Not long after... They had gotten into that dispersal formation. They saw something emerge from the cave that, despite their preparedness, caught them fully off guard. It was a man at least 12 to 15 feet in height. This is a monster. Red beard with his hair longish past his shoulders, a scarlet red. And Dan runs at him and starts shooting, which broke all of us into the reality because it was surreal. While Dan is moving at him, another bro of mine is laying down fire and I start firing. He skewers Dan. 
He's now got him on his pike. It went through him. He's got him and he's coming after more. We all just clicked in. I don't know what it was, but I remember we were all like, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. He's taking multiple hits and he's still moving. Eventually, the giant was killed. Dan had been killed as well. And the patrol unit was soon visited by a helicopter that dropped some cargo netting. They were told they had to bundle up the giant in the netting. And soon after they were done, a larger helicopter came by, dropped a hook, and the giant was carried off. The soldier confirmed that the red-haired, fair-skinned giant had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. After they had submitted their after-action report, the soldier recounts that they were told by their top brass to write it in a particular fashion, presumably to remove any mention of a giant being. Although not an eyewitness, another special ops soldier in Afghanistan provides the following corroborating testimony. We would come back to the base and it started hearing this rumor about a unit that had killed this, what they started calling this really tall person. At first, I didn't think anything of it. Then come to find out that the person they killed was actually three times the size of a man, had extra digits on their hands and extra digits on their feet and had red hair, and a special unit had come in and wanted this target. We'd all heard that they killed this thing inside a cave, or the mouth of a cave, and there was a common knowledge among the military to hear this. When you first hear, you're thinking like, this has to be a joke. This has to be a hoax. Then, after things go down a certain way, you keep hearing it. You start to realize that it's not a joke. They kept telling us to keep our weapons high, which normally means it's a two to the chest, one to the head. But they kept telling us to put it towards the man's head and put it higher. So we would question, why would they want us to shoot higher than a man's head? These testimonies are found in a compilation video from interviews conducted by L.A. Marzulli with two soldiers who wanted to remain anonymous. In addition, there are some footage from coast to coast with host George Nore featuring a pilot who saw and actually transported the giant. So guys, this shit's online. Search hard enough and you can actually find this. And this is the pilot's testimony. This pilot had landed at a base in Afghanistan and was told they had to pick up special cargo and that there were absolutely no cameras allowed. The pilot describes the cargo. He said, it was basically a dead quote-unquote guy. And this guy was extremely large. And when I say large, our pallets are basically, if I remember correctly, about 9 by 12 feet or so. And this guy was laying in a fetal position on the pallet and he filled the pallet. He was around 1,100 pound guy. The pilot corroborated much more of the details given by the two other witnesses, including the fact that this giant was fair-skinned, red-haired, and had extra digits on his hands and feet. So, as impressive as the consistency of these three separate testimonies is, there is actually much more widespread corroboration about the existence of the fair-skinned, red-haired giants with six fingers and toes, and double rows of teeth. Certainly, in Afghanistan, the stories among the natives were rampant about the existence of cannibalistic giants living in caves. The soldiers who could understand the natives' language tended to refer to these stories as quote-unquote legends, 
although a few noted the presence of bones near cave entrances suggested that humans were killed and eaten by something living in the cave, either by ambush, according to the natives, or by sacrifices they offered the giant. There is plenty of evidence that a cannibalistic red-haired race of giants once inhabited North America, like the stories I just told you, and menaced several of the Native American tribes whose folklore and legend tell the story similar to the one recounted by the three military personnel. So asking one of the U.S. Army witnesses why this information is being kept secret from the world, he said his personal opinion is, if it points to the Bible's accurate, they don't want it. If it goes down against Darwinian evolution, it's not to be spoken of. It seems like the powers that be are just doing their best to keep everybody from finding out that human history is very different from the neo-Darwinian model in which human evolution has been a slow, unbroken, random pattern without intervention from any other sentient species. And it's likely that just learning of the existence of one of the different species here on Earth would completely break the spell and have a majority of us ready to demand the truth about our history and our place in the universe alongside other intelligent species. So remember an episode or two ago, I'm talking about how aliens kind of fucked with our DNA and how O-negative blood may be universal, not only on Earth, but maybe in the universe. That's kind of what these red-haired giant legends point to as to why the government is covering it up. So if you just do the most basic digging, you'll see giant legends from the beginning of human civilizations. You'll find it in legends throughout the world and throughout time. And then in more recent times, you'll find groups trying to cover up evidence of the giants. Maybe it's just, you know, more of the government covering up what they don't want us to know. Covering up evidence of aliens, covering up or straight up discouraging scientists and group of people from looking into certain subjects that they deem dangerous. I wonder when is this going to stop? There's just so many times that evidence has come out or possible evidence has come out only to disappear or only to have the media completely discount and deride it, which then has the population deriding and discounting that evidence. I don't know when the time is going to come when the government steps back and lets history come forth because if you look into it, there's all types of alternate history groups going on, alternate history theories going on, and so many of these alternate theories include Legends of the Giants. So that's going to wrap it up for our little bonus episode produced by Night Dude. Come back Thursday, we'll have another episode of Vanished in the Valley for you. If you have any legends or evidence that's been covered up, you can email me at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com or you can go on the Instagram account and search for Vanished in the Valley Athena and let me know what you got. I would be happy to look into it. So until Thursday, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao.